I am one of your hosts, Alan Smith, along with... I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And we have been teasing this episode for, I don't know, pretty much since the beginning, <laughs> the two years that we've been doing this. <laughs> you big tease, you. You're nothing but a big tease. Um, it, is, it is no surprise to anyone, especially if you listen to, the, to our show for any amount of time, that Dave and I are both huge Guns N' Roses fans. Yeah, we are. And uh, since we we had been talking about doing an episode about them, we thought, hey, what better time than episode one hundred B, eight one hundred B, going along with our MTV episode that we just did because MTV plays a, an integral part with the Guns N' Roses story, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it does. It is, oh man, this one. You know, if you're a fan of the band, if you were a fan of the band, you probably remember a lot of what we're going to talk about. If you weren't, I got to say... I, I The mythology here is huge. I believe that Guns N' Roses are the last true American rock stars. Yeah... I can't really disagree with right. that. Right, and, and 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 I mean like rock stars, not not musicians who play rock music. I mean like rock stars, the full hedonism and and antics and that's the and whole thing, all of that. And we'll get into. I mean, we'll we'll get into some of that. But here's the thing: Guns and Roses. If they got arrested, if they had a riot, if they had, um, you know, if. What they got into a fight? If they whatever it was, if they if they OD'd, if they you know whatever you know all that rock star stuff. If they did it, there was no BS to it. Yeah. It wasn't a oh we're rock stars. This is how we're supposed to act. It's like no, this is just who they were and are <laughs> still <laughs> to, to some extent. Yeah, I, you know that they, they really right. are that. Like, as you've said many times, they're a motorcycle gang with guitars. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> so, uh, uh, where to begin? I guess we'll start. Let's, let's before we even get into the band itself, let's talk about our own personal our own personal uh, experiences, you know, uh, our Guns N' Roses experience, you know. Uh, uh, I think, I know we've talked about it at some point on here. Um, my personal, you want me to go first or do you yeah, want I'll to? Yeah, go okay. right ahead. I remember seeing the video for Welcome to the Jungle on Dial MTV one afternoon. Friday night videos for me. Oh, really? See, I yep. saw, well, I, I remember seeing it one afternoon after school and being like, well, they're definitely metal-ish. 
but <laughs> they're a little different than the other bands yeah. that I listen to. You know that they I mean, they Axel had the big hair. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the whole thing. You looked at that Welcome to the Jungle video, and he does. He still has the big hair, yep. you know, and he's wearing eyeliner or whatever. But it was still kind of one of those like. This isn't Poison or Cinderella or Bon Jovi or any of that. You know, this is something different. I like it. It scares me a little bit. But there's something... It was one of those things to where I had fallen asleep on the couch watching a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, we had cable and MTV at at this point. Mm -hmm. But I had fallen asleep on the couch watching a movie and had left the TV on. And this scream like woke me up and i was like what the heck is that and i looked at the tv and i was like what is this yeah i know i know it was like is it like this looks like this might be in the same vein as like motley Crue or something like that that's the whole thing is that you know at this point i had already been introduced to metallica and and you know uh, Megadeth and Anthrax and all that stuff. So like Exodus, even Slayer Testament, and even you know it's like I, I I had been exposed to that as well as you know Iron Maidens and you know some you know some other stuff Black Sabbath the British and, you know, metal yeah stuff, and all that and it's like Priest. yeah and it's like okay so I already had like a a kind of a, a foot in all of that outside of just the pop metal you know the the hair bands you know yeah but it was one of those things where it's like this is different this is this is scary and not in the oh if you listen to this you're gonna be possessed by satan and you know go to hell scary this was like no this is like guys that if you're walking down the street and saw them you would like go the other way (laughs) you know it just like so it was that whole that whole situation with that and i was like i kind of dig this song though you know and then within a couple of weeks of that and uh, I've told, I know I've told this story as well you know my cousin's coming to the house one saturday and my cousin john who's the same age i am like hey you need to hear this and he, i was like what is he's like it's guns and roses i was like oh i've heard that welcome to the jungle song is pretty cool he's like no no no, you need to hear this <laughs> and you know i listened to welcome to the jungle I was like all right that's pretty cool and then it's so easy came on yeah and i was like this might be the coolest song i've ever heard in my entire life and he just <laughs> said the f word like 15 <laughs> times you know just like <laughs> And then it was on, and it was like, and then it was Night Train, and then it was, you know, uh, Out to Get Me, and it was like... Brownstone. Mr. Brownstone, and then Paradise City, and it was like... Yeah. I don't know... I, I'm feeling things I've never felt before. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> my 14-year-old self was just like, I, I don't know how to process this. Yeah. This is... <laughs> well, saw that video, mm-hmm. and... I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really think anything more about it after I saw it. Of course, it was on MTV mm-hmm. rotation. Mm-hmm. And then the video for Paradise City came out. Later that year, yeah. yeah that, later but, but, that also, year. but we also got Sweet Child of Mine in between the yeah, two. Yeah, but that didn't really register with oh, me Oh, it did either. because that's their only number one hit. You know, so I mean, well, so that was big. It was a big song. For me, it wasn't. It didn't really register much. I was like, oh, okay, heavy song. Okay. Yeah, here's their ballad. ballad. Yeah, 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 okay, well, they're following the template. Right, right. And then Parasite, the Paradise, Paradise City, City hit, and that I saw that video on MTV, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, "Wait a minute, this might be right. This might be something I need to really kind of check out." And it was then that I went and got the album. Right. And, and what's funny is the album had been out a full year before before they took off. What's bad is the copy of the cassette tape that I had had the original Ooh, cover on it. How did you it. get that? It was in. It was in. That's worth some money. Now. Camelot. That's worth some money now. Yeah. So. My mom found it and made me take it back. Oh, yeah. 
Well, it was funny because that cover was still on the inside whenever you yeah, got no, the new one. Yeah, no, this was the original yeah, cover. It was like, evidently it had been old new stock or something that yeah. just didn't make it out and i got it well that was but then my mom made me return it because the the front oh was yeah so offensive. and i get it i mean that it's that not, that is the a, only album she made me return uh <laughs> iron maiden son of a uh, seventh son seven, of a seven, seven son, son t-shirt yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a i used to hide all that stuff under my bed so my parents wouldn't find it which i'm sure that my mom knew was there yeah. but you know it was like um it was um I had a part of my, when I got rid of all my vinyl a little while ago, yeah. I had a German pressing from 87 of, of um, Appetite for Destruction that had the original, the nice. original cover, you know, the, that, that, and the thing is that, that is actually called Appetite for Destruction. That painting is yeah. called Appetite for Destruction. That's where, you know, the name came from. Yeah. The album, and, album title. Uh, and um, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, that's this, I, I found it. I don't know a while, but like a, like I probably had it for close to fifteen yeah. years. I found it at a local store. I was like, oh, I want that. Let me have that. By the you way, know? you're not allowed to sell any more vinyl until <laughs> I get first yeah right of your uh, first refusal on it. You mm-hmm. got me, bub. Well, I'm not I'm not doing vinyl like I was. I'm only getting and now I'm like I'd like to have another because I had a copy of GNR Lies also. Yeah, and um so but it, but it's one of those things that like I, I've got I mean. That is another one of those. I had it on vinyl, or I didn't originally have it on vinyl. I, I, initially, I eventually had it on vinyl, but I did. I owned it in, on, on cassette. I owned yeah. it on CD. I owned it in MP3. I had it owned it in vinyl. You know, I mean, it's a, uh, um, and it's still one of those albums that I can throw it on right now and listen to it from beginning to end and never skip a track. Like, there's not a track on there. The only song that I is not one that i'm always like oh i gotta go hear that song is uh anything goes yeah and i'll tell you what it, it is kind of an album throwaway yeah but it's it's that uh what do they call it where it's got that you know what i'm talking about it's yeah. that percussion instrument where they're yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that irritates me more than anything else the song itself is fine but that has always irritated me was that that percussion instrument that's oh you've never liked drummers so well no it's not even that i mean it's just that (laughs) that particular percussion sound just irritates me you know for um but the thing with it realize i'm gonna get one of those now and use it use it in something no you're not yeah (laughs) i can deal with cowbell i can deal with a whole lot of stuff but that is just mm. i got a fever yeah but so the thing is is that so that guns and roses burst on the scene okay and all of a sudden, I mean, they're like in full rotation. Yeah. With you know, I mean, I, well, and the, the first copy of it I had was an actual copy of like where I had recorded a copy of it from someone yeah. else. And I mean, I wore that thing out before I finally went and got bought a copy of yeah, it. You know, yeah. and so I mean, just I mean, listen to it front to back, flip it over. Listen, just just keep keep going. Just listen Full to it over rotation. and over and over and over and over. Kind of like that original Skid Row album when I was yeah, in driver's you know head. exactly. You know, and, and there was you know, the Master of Puppets was one of those albums. See, that the, was the that wall. Was Ride the lightning for me. The, the wall was one of those yeah. albums for me. I know you don't, but the Black album was one of those albums for me. I hate the Black um, album. Hotel California was one yes. of those albums for me. I mean, it's like you like you there there are the, there are these certain albums that I'm like. Okay, you know, Pink Floyd. Wish you were here is one of those for me. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I didn't get too far outside of the wall 
Um, you know, yeah, I really, I really fell into the wall. So mo- a, most people don't get yeah. past the wall. Um, I'm I'm so deep into Pink Floyd, it's right. ridiculous. So like the poster mm-hmm. where the album covers are painted on the back of the oh yeah, so, yeah 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 I can name every single one. Oh of those yeah, albums. I mean I can do that too. Yeah. I mean I'm I know enough about Pink Floyd to be able to do a lot of that stuff. But it's the Wall was the one that really like. Don't get me wrong, Dark Side of the Moon is a great album. On top of it all, I like Dark Side. It's a good one, but it's the Wall just for whatever reason it did it for me, and it's like oh wow this is okay, this is pretty interesting, yeah. and, you know, and just the soundscapes and stuff that they did, you know. Uh, anyway, we're not talking about Pink Floyd. <laughs> See, for me, that was Animals. Animals okay, had a better soundscape to it. Uh, but, yeah, so it was one of those things that, it, it you know, it was just a uh, uh, – I had two friends. Uh, one of them was the preacher's son, uh, and one <laughs> of, of them was, you know, and it was, it was, it was Brian and, and Brandon, and they were – a year or two older than me. Actually, I think Brandon was two years older than me. Brian was a year older than me. Brian was the preacher's son. And that was a thing. We would like go and hang out. And Appetite for Destruction was always one of those albums that we listened to. Like, yeah. you know, they both had their driver's license, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it was like, whoever's car we were in, we listened to that. We listened to Easy, Easy, Easy Does It. And yeah. we listened to Straight Out of Compton by NWA. Those three, as well as some other stuff. But those three specifically were like, yeah, you know, again, suburban white kids, you know, listening to what scares the bejesus out of their parents, you know. So it's because <laughs> that's that's one of the great things about being a teenager. You listen to what scares your parents, you know, yeah. and it's a uh, uh, at least you used to be able to, not so much these days. So it's like, yeah, I guarantee you, I, I listen to a lot scarier stuff than my kids do. So. <laughs> Nothing scary about K-pop. Nope, nope. Well, you know, did you see where uh, Kim Jong Un declared it a? Uh, uh, um, what did he declared it? He declared it a. Um, uh, uh, was it a disaster or something like that? I, like this, is, yeah, it's like a few weeks ago. Like he put out some no, statement totally saying that this. saying that K-pop was like a national it was a national disaster or something <laughs> like that. It's like that's pretty funny. That's uh, I don't I don't ever agree with Kim Jong Un, but okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah. It would absolutely make me happy if somebody caught a picture of him like hanging out at the the North Korean palace wearing like a. Uh, Motley Crue t-shirt yeah or something, something like, yeah. Yeah, so, but anyway so uh, but yeah th- that was one of those things you know and then usually the the um, GNR Lies album was released in 89 yeah it was it was released in early 89 and or was it the end of 88 <sighs> hold on I got it here it was either the end of 88 or early 89 and it was one of those things that you know they their first original EP they put out was called Live Like a Suicide, which was, it wasn't really a live album. They, they presented it that way, but it was one of those where they had recorded the songs and then they, they went back and put, you know, live, like a, um, a live audience behind it. Um, and of course it was You're mainly... looking for lies, right? Yeah, GNR lies. 88. It was 88? Yep. Okay. It must have been right at the very end somewhere. So, so basically it was 87, 88, 91. 91. Okay, we'll get, hold on, we'll get, we're, we're working our way into all that. Yeah. So, and then they had four other songs that they put on there, which was Patience, I Used to Love Her, an acoustic version of uh, You're Crazy, yeah, and then One in a Million. Yeah. And which One in a Million 
controversy like, after controversy, controversy after, after controversy, controversy because Axl Rose uses the N word. He also uses the other F word, and and you know a lot of people looked at it as being xenophobic because you know it talks about like you know you know immigrants coming and spreading diseases and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff, and it's like. Okay, even in 1988, this was <laughs> this was not cool, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, and he even like you know he tried to like. Oh, he still tried to backtrack. Yeah, it to this day. he finally he finally did at some point say, yeah, I I said that as a as a writing a song from the from a small town white guy's point of view, Mentality. you know, yeah, you know, type thing. Uh, never really, he never really took full, you know, responsibility. He just kind of said, "This is never the blah blah apologized. blah." Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Guns and Roses never apologized for anything. No, absolutely not. And we're gonna get into the off stage stuff that happened. Uh, actually, some on stage stuff that happened. <laughs> St. Louis, St. Louis is around the corner. So, okay, so we're in this. All of a sudden, Guns and Roses is the biggest band in the world. Okay, here's the thing. They released an album. They released the album in July of of um, eighty seven. I think it was July twenty first. Is that what it was? Hold on, I should know this. Let's see. Come on. I'm gonna go through all my notes here. Yeah. Um. And. Um, I can only find the year. I can't find the month. Hold on. Well, shoot. The I think it was released in July or August, maybe. Of it was like somewhere. I want to say it was like a summer or late summer. Yeah. Release. Uh, July twenty first, eighty seven. I had it right. There okay. You go. So. It it just really had not been doing much of anything, you know. Like I said, they had they had really the first single that they released was um, it was in Europe, it was in the UK, and it was and it was it so easy, which yeah. obviously that's not going to get a whole lot of airplay here in the United States. Like I said, it's got it drops the f bomb several times. Yeah, in the end of it. Um, well, in the middle of it too, but it's just one of those things that like okay, but then and then they released uh, Welcome to the Jungle in the fall. Here in the States. In the States. And it just didn't, it wasn't getting any traction. And it kind of was languishing, you know, whatever. And so their uh, Niven, uh, what's the guy, their uh, their manager, uh, was it David Niven? It's not David Niven. David Niven's, uh, um, David sure. Geffen is, is the, was the head of the thing. But their, uh, oh man. I'm trying to find it. I had it right here. Yeah, I know. And I should know, I should know all this stuff right off the top of my head. Uh, especially considering how much research I put into this thing, <laughs> I've been studying up on this one for a while. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it was one of those things that they uh, the la- the guy's last name is is Niven. I can't remember. He was their manager. He basically went to David Geffen because they were on Geffen Records and said, "We need you to," because they were talking about, "Okay, well, you've sold a couple hundred thousand albums." Was it Goldstein, uh, Doug Goldstein, was it? Because that was the guy who uh, fired Adler later on. Um, I don't know. It may be. Anyways, they went to David Geffen basically and said, we need you to pull a, a favor and, and make sure that MTV plays this video. Yeah. And 
so he went and talked to them, and they were like, yeah, they said they're going to play it at 4 a.m. on a Sunday. And they did. And the and the, the phone lines, phone lines lit MTV up like you wouldn't up. believe. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay. And so they went from... No, it was more like, oh, crap. Yeah, I because know. Because MTV, MTV, MTV was not really... At that point, yeah. was actively trying to kill metal music. They were well, trying to do it. No, because no, they, they were, were making actively, they were making their that you gotta remember this is eighty this is the end of eighty seven, first of eighty eight. They were still really in that pocket for a couple more years. So yeah, I mean, but the upper echelon at MTV at that point was like, okay, this is this it's, it's it all, was, well, it's all, all the hair bands were ridiculous. The, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The hair bands were ridiculous. Yeah. As much as, you know, I might like some of their stuff, there it's ridiculous. There's a reason why you don't see new hair bands. I mean, that's or at least not new hair bands that are doing anything. You know, I mean, it's just uh, Steel Panther. Again, but they're a, but they're a novelty act. I mean, honestly, let's be. I mean, that's a. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I kind of miss some of it. Eh, I there are certain acts, you know, that that were better than others. You know, I, I'm whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so they got this. All of a sudden, they're getting MTV play, and then they released Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, a little after that. Okay, so this we're in '88 now. Um. Every once in a while, you would hear about something, somebody getting arrested, you know, this or that. You know, they were they were on tour with Aerosmith. You know, they were opening for Aerosmith. Uh, the Rolling Stone magazine went to do a cover story about Aerosmith and wound up doing the story about Guns N' Roses instead. <laughs> Because it was one of those like, oh, okay, what's going on? Oh, wow, okay, you know, it's <laughs> like we're here to interview the train wreck. Yeah, what the heck is that over there? Mm-hmm. Is that a bigger train wreck? Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that's a. Be- oh, excuse me, I'm going to go talk to the bigger right. train wreck. And so that became a thing. You know, they opened for they opened for quite a few bands. You know, but they stayed on tour for a while. You know, opening yeah. for other bands, and they finally did their own you know mini tour. Um, but it was one of those things where, like, they kept getting bigger, and they kept getting, like I said, Sweet Child of Mine was released. It went to number one. And then whenever, you know, again, I remember being at Brian's house with Brandon watching because they were doing, they were going to do the world premiere video of, of, yeah. of Appetite for, or for uh, Paradise City. And, again, it was one of those, like, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, you know, my 14, 15 year old life, how old I was, a 14 uh, year old life at the time. I was like, I can't believe this, you know, this is so cool. And it was just one of those things where it's like, they just kept going and kept going. <laughs> but again, it, it's so funny that, that I have these, these, all these memories with, with Brandon and Brian, you know, especially around Guns N' Roses, because that because they were our band. I mean, they were our band. You know, spell, yeah. as well as some guys at school, like Brian, you know, my, my, Brian that you know that yeah. that comes and plays. You know, we dude, we would sit and and like you know, we would just sing the songs at school. You know, like in between classes. You know, and, and yep. that's what we be listening to. We like you know, I mean, it was just a huge thing. Him and Pastor Dave and and you know and 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 I don't know if you remember Richard and and, and David Whitley and you know and all those guys. I, think I remember Richard. Yeah, I remember. I, you know, Whitley because he played you know in the band with tony oh, you know and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, richard yeah. was you know was one of our part of that group we were all really huge into guns and roses you know yeah. what i mean it was like as well as metallica and slayer and some other stuff but it was like these these were kind of one of the seminal groups that we listened to yeah but brian and the church brian a pastor's son brian <laughs> you know it was one of those things we're at the parsonage watching this you know in his bedroom <laughs> uh 
You know, it, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, this is so cool. I remember it was a Sunday night in 1989. Um, Actually, it was not Aerosmith. The band opened their North American shows for the Colt Motley Crew and Alice Cooper throughout the second half of '87. But they were also on tour with Guns and with uh, they were on tour with Aerosmith before that, yeah. um, or maybe in, it was after that. In fact, at one point, Adler broke his foot or broke his hand, right? And Fred Curry from Cinderella came over, Fill, yeah, and, and then filled, filled in, in. yeah. yeah. Uh, so did uh, the other the guy that was well, the drummer for the Colt before Sorum. Um, he filled in for yeah. him. With Don, Don, Don Henley. Henley. Well, I'm going to get to that. Yeah. Okay? okay. Okay. So the thing is, is they released they, they released the album. You know, they released uh, GNR Lies, and then they played the American Music Awards. Yeah. And I remember seeing it, and they did Patience, and it was like, why is there a drummer out there to begin with? Because there's no pay, there's no drums on this song. Yeah. And then it was like, that's not Steven Adler. Who is that? It was Don Henley. Yeah. That you know, and it's like, okay, that's interesting. Not who I would have put in there, but okay. And yeah. and I watched it recently and it actually held up pretty well i kind of like the version they did because it wasn't acoustic they were playing it electric but they were just doing it clean you know yeah. rather than you know distorted or whatever uh and it was actually like really a good a good performance but you get to the 1990 awards and this is where <laughs> things really like oh okay actually no before we get there a little further in we're into the 1989 vmas okay yeah. And they performed, but then also um, Axel did a. It was Axel and Tom Petty and a few. They had like this super group, and they did free falling, you know. But it yeah. was like it was like this super group of people, you know. Uh, Izzy Izzy was playing with them, that kind of stuff. Well, this was the infamous. They come off stage, and almost as soon as they step off stage, uh, uh, Vince Neil comes running out of nowhere and just like lays Izzy out. I mean, oh, just, that's right. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things. And of course, Axel gets in his face, and the security's pulling everybody aside. And this kind of this stuff. is where and the infamous Motley Crew, yeah, and and Guns and, and, Roses and, and Vince Neil went on and went on Headbangers Ball and basically said, "All right, Axel, you name the place. We'll meet. We'll we'll do this thing." I you remember know? that. <laughs> I remember that because I was a faithful ball watcher. Yeah, you know, and it was like, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous, but sure. Now, one of the things that remember they did the live at the Roxy concert yeah. that MTV aired, and that again was another one of those. Whoa! And that's where they first we first heard them do "Knocking on Heaven's Door." Yeah, because one of their buddies in another band had just died of a heroin overdose. Yeah, and uh, so they that, were doing this. That that live performance became a. They made it into a music video. Mm-hmm. They just cut mm-hmm. the footage out of it. And yeah, they, re, that and song re, they, they played it that a little yeah. bit, and they that played became that, a music video. Yeah, I know, it. and it was just like, wow, this is this is really cool, you know. And uh, and again, it was one of those like, oh man, these guys are these guys are fierce in concert. I mean, you know, just like wow, they are they yeah. are just balls to the wall, you know. Just and that's one of the things with them is that especially back in the early days, whenever Guns and Roses came on stage, they went a hundred percent, yeah, from beginning to end. You know, I mean, it was just like we've got to put everything into this every yeah. night, you know, no matter how messed up we are, no matter, you know, they were going to leave it blood, sweat and tears exactly, on the stage you know, every night in this time period. Also, Axel Sorry. Rose, blood, sweat, tears, and Jack Daniels exactly, on the yeah. stage every night. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, that was one of those things that during this time, you know, Izzy had gotten arrested for heroin yeah. and, uh, uh, and like I said, they had friends. You know, they Adler had a, couldn't keep Adler clean. couldn't keep clean. He had problems with cocaine and heroin both, yeah. and they wound up they wound up firing him. You know, 
when they started to go in for the recording of the Use Your Illusion albums. Yeah. I mean, even to the point where, like, they they sent him to rehab. Actually, that's the reason why he wasn't at the AMAs that year. Yeah. Is because he was at rehab at that point. They yeah. were like, no, you have to go to rehab. Okay. So, you fast forward to the, the 1990. Well, they got him cleaned up, and then they, they're like, every time that you... Fall they off made the it, wagon. Yeah. You got to pay us a thousand. Exactly. Was it two thousand? It was something like that, something and he, like that. he just could not stay clean. So yeah. finally, they're like, "All right, fine." That's when Goldstein pulled him up in his office. Is like, um, actually, there was he ended up suing the band, right? Because he was wanting him to sign. What was it? Um, where was it? I, I have this. In my yeah, I know. Somewhere. It's a. Basically, yeah. they were pay, they were getting to sign contracts to say that every time he did heroin that he would have to pay them two thousand right, dollars. Right. But what the paperwork actually was is they were firing him and giving a two thousand dollar severance pay. Oh, is that what it is? And that's all it was. No royalties, no, no writing nothing, credits, right, nothing. Right. And he ended up suing them later on yeah, and getting well, some of that back. Believe me, the Guns N' Roses story is full of lawsuits. Full of lawsuits. Thanks, Axel. Um the, but like I said, you fast forward to the AMAs in nineteen ninety. This yeah. is in like January of nineteen ninety. I remember this vividly. Again it was an after church deal, like you know, like you know, we, people were coming over to the house. You know, it was after yeah. you know Sunday night, and you know we're over here and we're hanging out in my room again. The three of us, me and Brandon and Brian, upstairs. No, this was the front, very front. This is before oh, I moved. This is before I okay. moved upstairs. All right. And it was one of those things. We're hanging out. We're watching the AMAs, and Guns and Roses are nominated for you know best album or something. Yeah, you know, best metal album or something, and they win. And the only two that are there are Duff and Slash. And they are hammered. Ripped. I mean, hammered. You could tell from the time when they the time they stood up to walk up on the stage. And immediately Slash drops he's like, Man, we just thought we were gonna come out here and hang out and shit and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, just kinda yeah. like and so they they kinda did their thing and went off. Later, that was introduction. That's after that was that. Hammer. That was that was MC Hammer, and I forget who the woman was introduced. But then it was Lita Ford and um, um, who was the other guy that introduced? But it was one of those things. They came up yeah. again, and but Slash that, drops two f bombs like immediately, and they yeah. and they just like pull away. They're like, okay, we're going to commercial now. And, and it was <laughs> after that that they implemented the, the seven, five, yeah, the, yeah, the seven, seven second, second delay. They, they were the they, they were the reason for it. I mean, yeah. it was just I mean, just oh my goodness. So it was like it was one of those. I remember watching that and thinking that was the funniest thing ever. Like, oh yeah. my god, did they really just do that? They, oh, they they really they did it again. You know, it's like <laughs> the most dangerous band in the world. Exactly, and then. This was also <clears throat> right after they had opened. They they were they did like what was it four nights opening for the Stones in L.A. or something like that when the Stones went on the Steel Wheels tour. Something like that. And yeah. at that point, that was you know Stephen and and Izzy both had real bad drug problems. Yeah. And Izzy had written the song uh, Mr. Brownstone. Yeah. But you know like early in the band because he was doing heroin. I mean that was the whole you yeah. know. And uh, you know he made uh, Axl Rose made a comment on stage on the mic that this could be the, the last shows we do if some people around here don't stop dancing with Mr. Brownstone. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like biggest band in the world looks like they're getting ready to implode, <laughs> like before well, they're anything. They you know, always looked like I they know. were going to implode. And so honestly, when they fired Adler, um, Izzy was mad about it. Because and he even talks about he didn't realize what Adler did for the band. 
Yes, until exactly. after Adler but was it, gone. It was also one of those things that Izzy was getting clean at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, and it was one of those things that that ultimately when Izzy left in 91, it was because he had gotten clean. Yeah. And he said he just, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand around and watch the rest of, the, of everything that yeah. was going on. I just couldn't do it any longer. Which couldn't was a deal big with it. problem for GNR because Stradlin was the main songwriter. He was one of the big, yeah. He wrote a lot of this stuff. And also, he's one of those dudes that, like, he's a rhythm guitar player. Yeah. But again, kind of like you take him out of that mix and you can put somebody else in there, but it's not quite the same yeah. because he had his own. Because the, 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 the difference between the way his guitar style and Slash's guitar style, they complemented yeah. each other well, so Stradlin well. was pure blues, rock and bar, roll. I know. And rock and roll. I know. And that's what gives those songs. Yeah. That that whole you know like him and him and Adler, Adler and, was and, just a and bar McKagan drummer. and McKagan yeah that is a that is a powerhouse rhythm section yeah and I'm talking about like laid back hit the groove and stay in it you know tight you know uh, power, yeah. you know just rhythm section uh, the thing that you know before we get on to the to the use your illusion albums is that especially with with appetite for destruction yeah is probably the best I have ever heard metal classic rock and punk rock all fused into one thing without it being like oh here's our punk rock song oh here's our classic rock song oh here's our metal song no here's it was like no they they just do it do it in the stew and stirred it up like oh it's all there i mean it it just oh okay uh and uh you know during that time period also axel had married um evan um aaron everly who was the daughter of um one of the Everly brothers was it Don? Was it Don Everly? I think Dan, one of them. Well, yeah, and that didn't go well. You know that it ended pretty pretty soon, and you know there were allegations of abuse and and everything else, and and it was just kind of a it was a mess all the way around. It was, was Niven. It was Niven. It was Niven. At the yeah. Beginning, yeah. So, but I it was also it, it was also one of the things that that um, you have all this going on. Adler's kicked out of the band. They add Dizzy Reed, yeah, he as a keyboard player. So now they have six members in the band. But who's going to take over for for Adler? They hired Matt Sorum, who yeah. was who had been playing for the Cult, and Sorum brought something new. Yeah, he really did. It was like okay, well, it it went from bar drummer, you know, rock to, blues rock bar to drummer, professional. To rock professional drummer. rock drummer. I know, it, was, I know. it was a level above, and there was some timing there, right, and there was some other stuff. Right. Adler had his own swing thing. He going did. On. And, and that's one of the things when you go back, when you look at the at the recording of Appetite for Destruction, yeah. they have famously said they didn't use click tracks. Mm-hmm. It was a, they wanted to get as close to their live sound as they could. Yeah. And so, like, even like Slash talked about like when they when he recorded the intro for um, uh, Sweet Child of Mine, or actually the they recorded the song without that intro to begin with. He yeah. had to go back and record it later, but there wasn't a click track, so he basically had to go in and listen to what they were doing, and then have the engineer okay okay here we go yeah and then him play and try to be as close to what has been played. Yeah, tempo wise, and somehow they nailed it. And you know, it's <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard a bunch of the songs off of the Use Your Illusion albums, mm-hmm. I was at first I hated it because okay. the feel was so. Much, it's a different. I'm a drummer, you right. know, so that's that's one of the first things I listen to is the drums and the rhythm right. section to see how they're locking up. And to me, it was almost too tight. 
Okay. And that actually hurt me a little bit because I was a fan of the Colt also and knew Sorum, you know, when right. he was playing for the Colt. Right. And I still love the Colt to this oh, day. Yeah. But when he left Colt, went over to GNR, it tightened things up a little bit and mm-hmm. it was almost a little too there's a big on. There's a big step up from appetite yeah. to use your the use your illusion albums so, yeah. you know it's like all of a sudden they're like no we're, we're making art now you know it's like we're not just we're not just five guys going out there and going balls to the wall yeah every night it's like no we've we've learned to play our instruments now we we actually know about yeah all this stuff uh one of the things i did read uh was that in the early days of, of guns and roses um the way that they that, that that they got to where they were as far as like the rhythm section is that Adler and uh, McKagan would practice together when the when the other guys weren't there like you know just yeah. and so it was one of those things that they they formed that bond between the bass and the drums which you've got to have in a good band yeah yeah and it was just one like they they got to a point where it's like yeah Adler's got his you know where it, it's very loose and it's very you know it's kind of it has, it, it, it has it, a swing exactly it. but McKagan who is one of the best bass players in rock music. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It was like, all right, fine, I'm just going to follow this dude. And that's how they got their, that's how they got their sound, you know? It was actually probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Because you you can tell where Duff is listening to Adler and Adler's listening to Duff. Right, right. They're they're supposed to drive each other. It's actually a conversation going on there. Also, one of the cool things uh, that I read, it was in a Rolling Stone magazine, they were talking about the actual, like, appetite for destruction album yeah they said that it's probably one of the last big albums that was mixed for vinyl yeah like it was literally like it was not automated like it was one of those things that it was legitimately they used you know two inch tape and they went in and they went and they did the, like the, all the edits were done with razor blades and you know it was people actually move like actually physically moving the sliders on the, the boards and Four stuff. Four to it six was, hands. On I, the yeah, board. it was just one of those things where it was like, and it's like, okay, that explains why that album feels the way it does. Yeah. You know, it's just <laughs> it, it felt like it's very seventies rock, punk rock. Yeah. yeah, it is it's very punk rock, and even with all of its over the top and you know six minute songs, it still feels very punk rock. Yeah. Um, and I said this. Oh, let me see if I can find. It. I should have. I should have pulled it up here. You know, you probably remember. Now, you you probably remember a couple of years ago. Uh, I guess it's been more than a couple of years ago that there was this thing going around Facebook, and there was there was a couple of them. One of them was like, you know, ten movies that you love you know just put it out there you know yeah. whatever you know and it, no question no, yeah whatever type stuff well it's funny because when we were when we this was happening i actually that came back through my um your memories my on memories your on my timeline of the one for albums and yeah it would the hold on let me find it because i, I want to read this and get it right because yeah, of don't, course, don't misquote yourself. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's most definitely a don't misquote yourself. I've done that enough times over. You know, it's like that's not what I said. No, that's what you said. It might not be what you originally said, but it's what you said later. Yes, <laughs> or vice versa. It's, that's what you originally said. You said something different or later. That's <laughs> what you said. That may not have been what you meant. But right. That's what well, you said. There's been a lot of that's not what I meant in my life. Uh, that, that, no, you, you you misinterpreted that. You know. 
Well, shoot. You I can't wish, find it, can you? I wish I I can find it, but it's, I'm going to have to go back through all this stuff. Well, the thing is, no, I did go, I did go one. Go to your little icon. Go to the memories I'm doing tab. It right. Well, but I don't know when. Oh. That's the whole thing. This this has been a little while back that it came through came through my memories. Gotcha. And I remember even then I was like, I need to remember to to go back and get this before. And of course, I didn't just because done a screenshot of it. Well. The thing is, is you know, you were supposed to put it up there, like without comment, without whatever. Of course, I was like, no, I'm putting a, a caption on this for all of these. And I went through, you know, ten albums. You know, every day was a new album. Yeah. You know, and of course, Appetite for Destruction was on there. And um, paraphrase and, and, yourself. And, and I went back and reread it whenever it came through my memories, and I was like, oh, this is, this is. Uh, Just paraphrase hold yourself. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, we're back. Sorry, it took me a little while to find that. I finally did. I looked under the, finally looked under the correct uh, heading for this. So this is what I said. This was in May of 2018. Okay. Okay. I wrote day six: Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction. There's music that moves you, and then there's music that kicks down the door and threatens to kick your ass. Appetite for Destruction didn't just threaten to do. This album kicked your ass, then took your girlfriend out for drinks using the cash that was in your wallet. My teenage life was forever changed when I heard it so easy. I knew that hair metal was dead and that the bad kids had taken over. If you weren't alive when Guns N' Roses was both cutting a swath of destruction across middle America and energizing its youth, then you missed out on the last true rock and roll band. It's not bad. That, yeah, and I, and that is again, it's one of those you see you you saw them in the late '80s, and you were like, yeah. these guys are not going to make it to C thirty. No, none of them are. They're all going to either be dead or in jail. That's just there's no ifs ands buts about it. Or know? vegetable and or a rehab something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's one of those that that album is such a. We'll probably never see another album on par with that again. It's one of the best-selling, or I think it is the best-selling debut album in American in American music. Like you know, in the, like it's not the worldwide best-selling album of all time, but it's the best-selling all-time American album. Yeah, uh, debut American album. Uh, Lance Morissette missed it by a couple million or something like that. But it was one of those things that it wound up in the United States selling 18 million. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's it's just it's just great. But then we start moving into the use your illusion, and we started getting these like you, know, you got to remember, this came out in eighty seven, Appetite for Destruction release yeah. July eighty seven. You get lies in eighty eight, which was basically them with some. The, they did record the four new yeah. new songs, quote unquote, you know the, the acoustic stuff, but the other stuff was just a reissue that was on there. Yep, and then September seventeenth of 1991 use your illusions one and two was released and debuted at number one and number two on the album charts now do you remember which one was one and which one was two two was one and and one one was was two two. exactly um and well that that's not all that was well well, no but here's the thing it's these these albums were released within 44 days of each other oh you're going through we talked about are you ready for this we we talked about this in our 99 our 91 i know within 44 days of each other in 1991 you got the metallica black album Mm -hmm. you got pearl jam 10 Mm -hmm. you got use your illusions one and two yep you got Red, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Blood Sugar, Sugar, Sex, Sex Magic. Magic. You got Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, and which is one of my favorite right. albums. And Nirvana. Yep. Never, never mind. Never mind. I know. 
91 was a great year for music. Yeah. And 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 that's just the albums in that time and like that they, yeah. that month and a half period, you know. And I know a lot of people have heard of Soundgarden, but they're familiar with that album that came after Bad Motorfinger. I know, I know, if but you mm. don't know if you've never listened to Bad Motorfinger. Bad Motorfinger is a great you album. You need to go back and listen to Matter that Matter of fact, Soundgarden opened for Guns N' Roses um while they were touring yeah. that, you know, that yeah, was they, did. they they uh when they were in Europe. Um the so the thing is, is on the lead up to the Use Your Illusion albums. So we got we got four years between. Yeah, you know, on the the lead up to it, they went out on they decided to go out on tour during the summer. This is when the infamous St. Louis riot. Happened. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, there are multiple stories of what happened, you know, from different sides. And, um, and they hadn't exactly released the the Illusion album. No, yet. they hadn't. This was this was a couple months before the album, yeah. or a month or so. But you know, they they had released. Uh, you know, well, the other thing that had come out earlier in the year was the song "Civil War" because it was on a compilation album. It was yeah. for like the the Romanian children's. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like it was like some that. kind of charity. So "Civil War" had been released, so we knew that one. And then, of course, You Could Be Mine was on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. Yes. So we had, you know, all right, so we got a couple of songs here. This is pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. And, and both of them are great songs, you know? Uh, of course, we we knew that they had recorded uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door, you, yeah. you know, because we, we'd heard them, we had seen them do it from the Roxy, you know, and that was like, okay, this is part of their set now. Yep. And so it was, all right, what's going to happen after this? July it, 2nd. 1991. That's what it was. Is the yeah the St. Louis the infamous St. The Louis Riverport Amphitheater yes. in Maryland Heights, Missouri. Yep, just outside of the Lou. Yep, and Axel. So the, the the reports of what happened, what we know because they had they had cameras rolling and and you can watch. I will put it will be believe me it will be yeah. on the playlist on our YouTube for all well, this stuff. You had. You had the amphitheater security. You had Guns N' Roses security. Right. And there was supposed to be no photography. Right. At the concert. And there and, was somebody down in the front row who was... And Axel was yelling at the amphitheater security. Take the camera. Take, take the, the camera, camera. Right. Take the camera. And they wouldn't do it. And he jumped in the crowd and punched the guy in the face and it took the camera. Yeah. And got out and then well, said... Well, didn't get out, got drug out got by drug out Guns N' Roses right. security now, because the amphitheater security was then going doing after anything. Right. Um, Axel. And so they drug him out. He got on the mic and said, thanks to the lame-ass security, we're going home. Slammed yep. the mic down. They all left. Yep. And then the riot started. Yep. <laughs> Seats tore out. Fires started. I mean, just all kinds. There were 10 people that were injured. Uh, there was... Charges were filed against yes, Axel, yeah. but they weren't able to actually indict him it was like, over a year before they for finally like two years or something well, because he was out of out of the country. They went they went out of, they went to Europe to tour and so yeah. they couldn't get one. As soon as they set foot back in New York, they were there waiting for him yeah. and he got arrested. And I remember that because MTV News was there and like they were like yeah. he's in the back of the limo talking to Kurt Loader, you know, with the they was like yeah, I was like no, they were cool. Like a couple of cops asked for my autograph, you know, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the in, in the, the liner, liner notes, notes <laughs> the entire band invites. Saint St. Louis to, to go fornicate with, with itself. Exactly. So it's let me clean that up for you. St. Louis, we would like for you to fornicate yes, with yourself. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and and it was just and it was on. Okay. Yeah. So they toured for like I think was it two and a half years on this or something like that. It was in it was into ninety four. Well, the thing is, is that they had Skid Row out on tour with them at that yeah. point. Um, 
you know, it was, and it was just, it was that you would hear Izzy left while they were in Europe. Yeah. He just took off. It's like, well, they're in Germany one day and he's like, he just booked a plane well, and went he, back home. They and actually, that was it. I actually found a date of when he yeah. quit. He quit on November 7th of 91 mm-hmm. after a repeat of the St. Louis incident happened at a concert in Germany. Almost happened in Germany. No. Did it, it actually happen or was the it? The notes that I, the, in a couple different places I that thought I that found, it was a near riot. It wasn't an actual riot. It, it, was, it was after a repeat of the incident nearly unfolded. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and that was, and also the thing, they, they were notorious, Axel wouldn't even show up to the venue until like yeah. two hours after they were supposed to go on. And they, of course, they were having to pay a lot of fines for, you know, for uh, curfew violations yeah. and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Or they were told, hey, you got to stop. You can't play past midnight or whatever it was. And then they would storm went, off stage. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it was always something. Now, in this time, Axel also started talking about he was going to therapy. And he was, you know, he, he started talking about, you know, he's like, yeah, I've got stuff that happened to me when I was a kid that it's starting to come back up and I'm yeah. trying to deal with it. And that's where all this rage is coming from. And, you know, and it's like, I understand, you know, that that can happen, you know, it's but you really don't have to be an asshole about it. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it's actual. That's going to happen. Also, you got to remember in, you know, so it's one of those things that, that they, they went and did that. Then they. They in '92 they wound up on the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Yes, they did, and that was controversial because of one in a million. Because of one in a million, and you know it was one of the things the guys in Queen to their to their, you know Brian May said, "Look, the fact that they're here says more than any apology they could ever yeah they would ever give." You know, and it was I mean, the group act up that was yeah that was trying to get trying to get them right. banned off of it, and uh, you know so they went to that and they performed with Elton John. You know, they did the well they did tie your mother down with uh, well what I'm talking about slash went Axel yeah. did um he did um um he did the the. We will rock you. Yes, but he also sang with Elton John on Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, and which was another thing that when the '92 VMAs, Elton John played with them on November Rain. Yeah, that was also the VMAs where he got into it with with Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love yeah. in the in the commissary, you know, and and uh, he kind of started that whole tiff you know they yeah. want he had asked he wanted nirvana to open to come out and road with them yeah and they were like and Kirk Kirk was like no was screw like, you no. i'm not doing that you yeah. know that's uh and uh you know it was kind of one of those he was things. like you're unprofessional yeah i know it's just <laughs> when, when Kirk cobain tells you you're you're unprofessional yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well you, i love cobain's story about that he's like yeah because yeah. we it was after francis bean was born you know and they're like that back there and uh and they were walking through. It was him and Stephanie Seymour were walking through. Yeah. And Courtney yelled at him. was like, hey, Axel, would you be our uh, would you be uh, our, our daughter's godfather or something like that? And said he whipped around and he was he looked at Cobain and said, you better get your bitch in line. <laughs> and Cobain <laughs> said he turned around and said, bitch, get in line. <laughs> and then after they performed, you know, Dave Roll went up to the microphone. He's like, hi, Axel. Hi, Axel. Hi, that. Axel. <laughs> that was whenever Chris Novoselic knocked himself out on stage yeah. throwing the bass in the air and it was <laughs> it was just chaos you know it was yeah. like back when the vmas were fun you know uh but that you get that kind of stuff their videos got you know we got like the the, the don't cry video yeah. which is high concept and then the november rain which is even bigger concept yep. 
and it was telling a, telling a story between all of it. And then Estranged was supposed to be the last one in that, but then him and Stephanie Seymour broken up in that meantime, and so she wasn't in it, and they, they went somewhere completely different with yeah. dolphins and jumping off of aircraft carriers or something. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but sure. Uh, they hired Dizzy Clark. Like, oh, Axel's back on heroin again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's the whole thing. What I was going to say. Um, there is a, a very famous story when they were recording Appetite for Destruction that they had rented, uh, 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 Niven had rented a, a a house for them to live in. Yeah. That was, I forget who it was. It was it was on someone's, it was somebody, it was like somebody famous's house, you know, type thing. And he went one day to visit them towards the end of the recording and the house was completely destroyed. They had ripped yeah. all the toilets out. They had done, I mean, I just, it was just destroyed. But they said, except for one room that was padlocked, and it was Axel's room, and said it was pristine on the inside mm-hmm. of just like, and they said it was this weird, like, they did $22,000 worth of damage to this place. Yeah. But this one room was pristine, not nothing out of place, nothing dirty, nothing you know, kind of stuff. Axel Rose was diagnosed bipolar, which explained a whole lot. Oh yeah, oh, uh, you know, and it's one of those things that you would see that that was a. He was not like he. Don't get me wrong, Axel partied, but it was one of those things where it was like, especially as they started after they signed the record deal and they started getting he he really yeah. started laying stopped doing drugs he started laying off the you know the alcohol as much you know and that kind of stuff because he was more into like no this is we're doing this now yeah. whereas the rest of the band <laughs> was like give it all give me all of it yeah everything you got bring it you know um well after the kurt cobain incident it was when they that's when the guns and roses metallica well that was tour happened. that was started that started earlier like that, that that actually started in that no, summer. That actually that got together that because was later that year it was that it was in ninety it was in ninety two. Yeah, yeah. The thing with it is that um, was that um, they did that that started the the germinations of that tour started at that Freddie Mercury concert. Yeah, because um, you know who else was on that tour? You know who supported that it tour? It was um, Faith No More, wasn't it? That was one of them. I don't know who they were. Motorhead. Okay. And body count. Oh, that's right. Okay, so they they so it's one of those things. They announced this tour. They're going to go with this, and it's like you're talking about like two of the biggest bands in the world at the time yeah. going on tour, co-headlining tour, and so they they went out on that. And you get to the Ontario, no Monterey, or Mon, or the Montreal, Montreal incident. Yeah, uh, two really bad things happened that night. Metallica was on first. And James James Hetfield. Hetfield stepped into a flash pot and got third degree burns on his arm and face and yep. several things. So they had to end their set early, get him to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. Emergency room. Yeah, I mean that they they were like, wow, you know, he didn't. As a matter of fact, yep. they went. They finally came back several weeks later, but he couldn't play guitar the rest of that tour. They had no. somebody. They had uh, the guy from Metal Church set in with them yep. and played his parts. Um, but I mean, it was one of those things that like it was it was pretty pretty bad. You he know? could have died from it and. The but Guns N' Roses came on late again. There was a no, it was a short delay, right? 
that did not allow for adequate tuning of the monitors. That's what they say, anyway. And Axel came out, didn't Axel like comes the monitors. Out and throws a fit. Throws a fit. Goes off stage, and another riot ensues. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, what in the world? <laughs> um, ten audience members and three police officers yes, yes. were injured, and there were several dozen. Yeah, arrests. And, and it was one of those things where it's like, I mean, that was big news for a long time. Yeah, and if you actually watch a year. Year and a half in life from top gets in. You can actually see James Hetfield go up and smoke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that 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 documentary is so good. Like I want to get that on DVD. And uh, and then um, Rose evidently body count got pulled from the concert, and Rose turned around and referred to Hetfield as a racist. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a whole lot of bad again between Hetfield. Did I remember Hetfield did a did a. a piece with like an interview with Rolling Stone, like yeah. after all this, and said some stuff about Axel. And Axel's like, "Hey, look, you want to fight? We'll fight." That's you know, of course, nothing ever happened of it. Yeah, I honestly believe that Hetfield would have killed him. Uh, but it's I don't know because we're talking. Pic- have you seen t- pictures of him lately? Well, I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about back in you know when he was. Yeah, I know Hetfield hasn't aged well, so. Well, there's a picture of him standing around a polo and like khaki striped shorts. Oh, I know. I know. I'm like, oh god. It was no, like Phantom, no. Phantom Metallica. Looks yeah. really mean, rough. Yeah. Actual member of Metallica. Right. Pussycat. Pussycat. <laughs> well, you know, after uh, some kind of monster, I lost all respect for those guys. Yeah. So that was. Uh, yeah. I was like, wow. When did when did James Hetfield become a whiny bitch, man? Yeah. <laughs> and after the use your illusion stuff. Um, that's when people started leaving the band. Gun, Guns and Roses died for me. Pretty much. I mean, it was they they did do the spaghetti incident, which was not good. And I, 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 I'll be honest, I don't like any of the songs off no, of it. I it was mean, terrible. it's uh, and you know, and they did you know songs that I do like, but I just didn't care for. They're very you know, like the and the whole thing they talk about is that their cover of "Sympathy for the Devil," which was on the interview with the Vampire soundtrack. Yeah, terrible. It's bad, but also that was kind of the that was the. Axel and Slash got into a huge fight, and that's when Slash left the band. Yeah, it was, it was just like, screw this, I'm the, done. I you take know, it back. It's the, a, about the only song that was worth listening to on the Spaghetti Incident, the was, Manson song. No, <laughs> no, is um, Duff McKagan and uh, Michael um, Hanoi Rocks. Oh, um, Monroe. Yeah, Monroe actually got together and did uh, "Ain't It Fun." Yeah, it's the Dead Boys song. Yeah, yeah. I Which I, I'm a fan of the. Dead I like the Boys. Dead Boys yeah. as well. And Cheetah Chrome lives here in town, so has, oh, really, he's lived, he's lived here for like 20 years now. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Uh, he still he plays around every once in a while, uh, but it's um, yeah, and, and that was pretty much it. They he they started they they cycled through all oh, kinds of stuff. Then I it mean, became um, uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, I Except mean, it was not like, just the drummer. It was, the and, entire and we're band. not we're not going to go through all of the the members that have come through Guns N' Roses and what happened between '94 and and '02. Basically, uh, they 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 reemerged. Can finally no, let's not. Find. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not because it's it's ridiculous. Basically, Axel. Everybody was gone except for Axel and Dizzy. And so Dizzy is not an official. He's member not. Well, he of, is. No, he's not. He is. He he joined the band officially with the Use Your Illusions 
stuff. But they, they can say everything they want to. He's not if an original member. If it's, that's, not, if it's not that lineup from Appetite for Destruction, they can go away. Well, They're not a member. But you also got to remember Dizzy's been in the band continually longer than anybody other than Axel. So <laughs> Yeah, but how much is he getting paid by Axel to Who be knows? his friend? I don't know. But it's one of those things that all that happened, and then in like 2000, all of a sudden... Axel took his people out and they did the Rock and Rio tour or they did the or they did no excuse me they did a uh, a New Year's Eve gig in Las Vegas and then they did they did the Rock and Rio concert yeah. and everybody's like okay this could be interesting you know because at that point you had Buckethead and Tommy Stinson and the band you yeah. know and it's like okay this is pretty cool but it just it they kept talking about you know they were still recording an album still recording an album still recording out they finally For named two decades later we're pretty still much recording you know an album. and it took until was it 2008 is that when it finally was released yeah and it was, it was the biggest Chinese, piece of turd it's not good I mean it doesn't sound like you know and it's well also in the meantime they had also they had put a song out on it was on the end of days soundtrack that was the oh my god which was more industrial you know because yeah. Axel was really into industrial music and apparently there is that's just that's Moby's fault by the way well no mm-hmm. he really liked Nine Snails that was his whole thing that's what he wanted to kind of go in that yeah. direction you know but they were actually trying to get Moby to be the producer on yeah I know they well, they went through so many producers talk about another just, pretentious yeah. jerk so anyways in 2002 they finally they played the VMAs like unannounced you know it was like there yeah. was rumors that, that it might happen but they and they closed it out with a medley of songs. You know, they did uh, "Welcome to the Jungle" and "Madagascar" and "Paradise City," yeah. and it was not that great. But people were like, "Oh, well, they're finally back!" And they they announced a tour. Now I saw them on this tour, Axel and the other people. But yeah. what's funny is that the very first uh, show they're supposed to do in Seattle ends in a riot. <laughs> Classic Axel. I saw them. It was it was a Clear Channel was sponsoring the the tour. Yeah. And Clear Channel ended it early because there was another riot, I think, in North Carolina or some or, or Philly, I think it was. Yeah. And they were like, All right, that's it, no more. I saw them in Columbus, Ohio. It was a good show, but it wasn't Guns N' Roses. I mean, it was Axel and these other people, you know. Yeah. And they eventually did release Chinese Democracy. They did tour on it and that kind of stuff. But then in twenty sixteen, all of a sudden there's an announcement. Oh, Guns N' Roses is going to headline Coachella. Oh, yeah, not Axel and those other guys, like Slash and Duff are back in the band. Well, it wasn't even Coachella at that point. Yeah, it, it was. was. It, it, yeah, it was Coachella. They were headlining one of the nights to Coachella. It was like that area's music festival or something. It didn't become Coachella until like a year or two later. No. I'm pretty sure. No, Coachella's been around for a long time. Coachella started in, in like 2000. But it was called that other in 2000, and then it changed to Coachella in like the mid aughts somewhere. Yeah, um, and so, but yes, and it was like, what do you mean Axel and Slash and Duff are back together? You know, and sure enough, it, they were, you know? Yeah. And uh, called the Not in This Lifetime tour <laughs> because that was, you know, that was said, Axel's quote. That would never happen. It would never happen in this lifetime that they would get back together. But hey, money trumps everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they did. I saw them on that tour, and they were really good. And it was kind of cool. one he broke his foot on. Wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yeah, he. By the time they came here, he was off. He wasn't in the cast yeah. any longer. But what was cool is that that uh, for a few dates, Stephen Adler played a few a couple of songs with them. Yeah. And one of them was here in Nashville, so I actually got to see four fifths of the original Guns and Roses nice. on stage together. Uh, How you did know, Adler do? 
He, he because did all right. he has not recovered. You know, well. it's you know he had a stroke in '95, yeah. and uh, and he's had a series of health issues. You know, and he had his own band was Adler's Appetite or whatever. Yeah. You know, that was on the, but also addiction issues and blah blah blah. And they and there was talk that that in the mean like in the early like when they were talking about getting this lineup back together that they wanted to bring him on but yeah. he was just in such bad health and physically he, couldn't he just do couldn't it. do it but they were like hey if we can bring him out to play a couple of songs on a, you know yeah that would be cool you know now Izzy they approached him and he was like no I'm done with that I've been done with that for two almost two decades yeah, now I've got my own thing yeah it's on. like I'm well good. he had I'm, he had Izzy Straddle and the Juju right and then he had his own solo stuff yeah. after that and so. that he went way further over into the blues absolutely you listen to that juju hounds album i, I oh, own that it's album it's a good album it I really own is that album. but it is it is like just a blues rock that's all yep. it is you know and that's the whole thing you go back and you listen to the songs that he sings like 14 years yep. or uh um uh, what was the other one that i like so much uh, uh dustin bones oh yeah those are just like one blues stomps both of them are especially dustin bones i mean it's got a very rolling stones like you know bluesy thing going you know yeah and uh uh you know and that's even like uh like when gilby clark you know when he did his solo stuff again it was more is a blues rock type thing you know and and i really like gilby clark so of course gilby clark was a good choice if you were good he was never an official member of the band. He was just to touring. replace Isley, Izzy Stradlin. But no. if you got to have a guy play his parts, right. that was a good. That choice. That was a very good choice. Um, they um, and I and of course we, we got to talk a little bit about Velvet Revolver because that was a in in two thousand two. Whenever they did what two albums? They did two albums. When they started hearing that slash and duff and and matt sorum were playing together and it was like oh they're they're putting a band together and you know they were and the thing is is that started off it was originally going to be those three and josh todd and keith uh i can't remember keith's last name from buck cherry that was going to be the band originally and then they got this deal where like they were going to do a reality show with vh1 like you know they were doing all this stuff and well, and, while they were auditioning and, lead singers. Well, but for this, you know, what even just the audition, it was like, yeah. no, well, we know this is what's going to be, but we're going to do this, like, as a recording, we're going to do this reality series. And uh, Josh Todd was like, screw this. I don't want anything to do with that, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they, they both left, and that's when they brought in, um, I forget what the other guitar player's name is, and then they started auditioning more people. They even, I mean, yeah. one of the, the people who was, who auditioned, that was on the short list was Sebastian Bach. Yeah. But Scott Weiland came in and they're like, Oh no, we like this better, you yeah. know? And, and then they realized, Oh no, we got to deal with the heroin problem. Again. You know, that was, and, and they all fell off the wagon at that point. You know, McKagan talked about it. You know, he had, been, yeah. he had cleaned up slash had cleaned up swarm and cleaned up and then they're out on tour. And McKagan, McKagan said that, you know, it's one of those things are early in the tour and they're backstage, and he's like sitting there reading a book, and Slash is kind of noodling around on his guitar, and they're all just kind of chilling out and all that kind of stuff. And Sorum comes walking in, he's like, "Dude, I'm a rock star. I'm not acting like this." <laughs> and then everybody fell off the wagon. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you drummers know, and, are bad. Influence. Well, you know, and it's one of those things that they all got their acts together again, except for Wyland, who you know. They recorded another album that didn't really do much, and then he got back with STP, and then he got kicked out again, and then he died of a drug overdose. On tour with his own band. Yeah, and it's just... Uh, on the bus. It's just a 
it's a sad situation, you know, yeah. of you got a band of guys that by all rights should have never seen 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. They get cleaned up. They put together this other, this other group out, out of the ashes of that, that one big group. And they bring this other guy in who's got drug problems and they try to help him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember like seeing McKagan going to like going to court with Wyland and like basically saying, look, dude, he's got the best support talking to the judge. Like, you know, we're here for support with him. We've all been through this. We're going to, yeah. you know, but of course it all fell apart, but it was still one of those things where it's like, okay, this is kind of cool that you see these guys reaching out to somebody else and saying, no, come on, we got you. Yeah. And, but and three of them tried to pull him up and he still manages yeah. to pull all three down. And he's. And he just couldn't get out of his own way. Shows you know, it's you how sad. bad heroin is. Yeah, we talked again. We talked about that in our, yeah. you know, our, our lost generation episode a little while back. Uh, and but yeah, so apparently Guns and Roses are recording new songs, new music, which I'm interested to hear. Um, Please let it be good. Yeah. Please let it be good. Well, it's got to be better than. Please let it be good. It's got to be better than. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Chinese democracy. I remember when it was it released. You know, I'm like, huh. That's interesting. And I was like, oh, I have to go pick this up. And then I didn't because mm-hmm. I was just like, oh. so Best Buy had the exclusive on it. Okay. Yeah, they always do. And I'm like, I remember a year or two later being in Best Buy and they had all these copies of, of, um, uh, Chinese democracy yeah. that were marked down to 99 cents. Brand new copies. They were just trying to get rid of them. They were just sitting there. And so I wound up buying that album for 99 cents. I listened yeah. to it one time and I was like, eh, now I'm good. <laughs> now, again, he had some great players with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, you had, you know, like I said, he had, you know, Tommy Stinson was with him for most of that, you know, from the replacements. And it was a great no pun intended replacement for Duff McKagan. You know, I mean, he fit that yeah. mold, you know, that punk rock bass player and stuff. You know, you had um, uh, Buckethead and you had Bumblefoot and you had, uh, uh, you had uh, Brian, um, uh, Men, what's his name from uh, Primus I'm, played with him. Uh, you're talking about uh, Brian um, Mantia. Mantia, yeah. Brain. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like they, he had like really good. DJ Ashba. Yeah. Well, you know, at one point, Zach Wilde was rumored to be yeah. in the band you know i mean chris Pittman, yeah i mean josh freese but i mean oh uh robin frank from nine inch nails played yep. with him for a long time so i mean it's one of those things he had he had good people in the band but it just was not yeah guns and roses so now we have so you want the current lineup because i've got it right here uh you've got axel right you've well, got freezes Dump. with them uh you playing Slash. drums you got dizzy yeah richard fortas is that their drummer? No, no, no. He's a he's a he's drum. rhythm and lead guitar. Rhythm guitar. You've got Frank Ferrer on drums, drums, and, and you've, you've got, got Melissa Reese right, on keyboards. Right, yeah, she's the first female member of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Um, and I saw that lineup play, yeah. you know, and they're good. You know, it's still not quite the same, you know, because there's no Izzy or Steven Adler or Matt Swarm for that yeah. much, you know, or Gilby Clark or somebody, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, that is again going back to what I said. You know my, what else Facebook. we haven't talked about at this point? What their induction into the Hall of Fame? Okay, so they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012. Um, 20, first in, first ballot induction. I mean, and yep. why wouldn't it be? Axel didn't show up. Izzy didn't show up. Yep. Um, the rest of the guys did, uh, including Gilby. Um, he played, and um, and um, both Matt and Steven were there. Yep. Uh, they were inducted by Green Day, yep. which was kind of kind of interesting. Now, but it was funny because like 
I had to give it to him because um, Billy Joe, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, I remember the first time I saw the video for for uh, for Welcome to the Jungle, and he's like, and I immediately thought to myself. One of these guys is going to either wind up in jail or dead. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, and they were supposed to perform. Yeah, and and of course we get. Um, well, but the thing is, is that they did perform. Yes, they did. They, they got everybody in that did, you know Gilby played rhythm for yeah. them, uh, and what's his name from, from Alter Bridge? Alter Bridge. Um, um, I can never remember his name. Heck of a singer, yeah, and he also he, he had also been playing Miles Kennedy. Miles Kennedy. He had also Miles been Kennedy. playing with Slash, you know, and he's well, still playing with Slash. You had then, you had the first song was Slash featuring Miles Kennedy band, right? And then the second one was Slash, um, and Miles Kennedy, right? It, Slash featuring Miles Kennedy in the in the summer. Yeah, I know, and it's one of those things I remember at the time being like, this dude's actually pretty good. Like he I was bought a, both of those albums. Yeah, I mean, by the way. which I remember Alter Bridge. Like, of course, it was Creed without without. Scott Stapp, you know, yeah. uh, and being like, no, this dude's good. Like they reminded me, reminded me a lot of Soundgarden because he's kind of got that Chris Cornell thing going on, you know, like yeah. he, he sounds more like Cornell than he does anybody else, you know, yeah, okay. uh, but he's got his own thing too. I mean, yeah. don't I mean, he's definitely got a distinct, a very distinct sound and I, and I like his voice. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of like, okay, that's cool. But yeah, Axel didn't show, you know, didn't even, didn't even really want to be put in, no. you know, but that, that was also, you got to remember, there was already there were ongoing lawsuits at the time and and well, there were still this is before Axel has had basically blackmailed the rest of the guys out of the rights mm-hmm. of the name of the band yep. at one of the concerts because he was basically said I'm not going to go on unless you sign over the rights to the name yeah basically and so there was a lot of stuff like that I mean it's yeah. uh and it's funny to like go back and you know the the lead song on uh, Use Your Illusion One is called Right Next Door to Hell. And that was written because in between the albums, he yeah. is where his condo that he had in L.A. He had had problems with his neighbors there. There was some kind of lawsuit that was going on or whatever. And so he's like, basically, you know, screw you. I'll just write a song about it, yeah. you know. And that was, of course, getting the ring was him basically taking on all of the 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 metal magazines and stuff. You yeah. know, all the you know all the different media. And, and it's you had just metal circus and you had rip. And yeah, you had, um, a Krang, Krang and, and you had all of those. Yeah, guys. I mean it was a. Um, I was a rip guy. I read, uh, yeah, I know. I read it's, rip. Uh, there was there was a. Was it Metal Edge? Was one of them? Mm, and Metal I mean, Edge. Yeah, I there was a about whole bunch Edge. of those that that I mean, he like he called he like named names in the song, you know, and yeah, uh, he and Rolling Stone in different places, and it's just uh, well, anytime you take a shot at Rolling Stone, feel free. Yeah, but it's just it, screw those guys. It, it, again, <laughs> if you didn't, they were just a force of nature. That's all I can ever say about them. They they were just a force of nature, and again, if they came to town. There was a good chance there was going to be a riot. Yeah. There was a good chance that somebody might get arrested. There was a good chance that you might go to the concert and, and Die. get arrested. You know, I mean, it's Die. like yeah, or something. Yeah, I know. And so it made them. They were dangerous. They were a forest fire wrapped in a tornado, wrapped in a hurricane. Yeah, and it was one of those things that they were dangerous, and you don't have that in rock music anymore. There is the closest I've come to that was the the pit at Pantera. Pantera was dangerous. I, I thought that I was, was going to yeah, die at that show. You know, show. That, that was one of those that as time wore on, you know, even, you know, I've said this many times, the same thing for them. You know, the stuff that I listened to when I was a teenager that scared the bejesus out of my parents and, and everybody everybody else's parents. Yeah. You go to a, a football or hockey game or something and they're playing Welcome to the Jungle or, or, walk. or, or walk or any any of that. 
Yeah, it's like I, I remember like the intro to Primal Concrete Sledge. Yeah, or or you know, well, Inner Sandman, or yeah. even or even like you know, Master Puppets or something. I mean, it's like it's nothing to hear those songs now. It's kind of become like, oh yeah, we're playing this family friendly stuff. It's like no. <laughs> 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 Marilyn Manson, the beautiful people, the whole intro I know, to the beautiful I know. people well, at a hockey game. I know, I know, exactly. You know, and it's like my beloved predators are notorious. For I know, that. you know, and it's one of those things that, as metal died out and and like the gangster rap came in more, that became the the scary. This music. is the scary music. Yeah. And again, like I said, go back. We were listening. You know, me and me and Brandon and Brian. You know, we were listening to Guns and Roses. And NWA and EZE, you know, and it was like that's that's the stuff that scared the, the you know, you know, we in the cruising episode, I talk about that cruise route in Illinois yeah. where we're at, and that the albums I remember listening to the most, and that was like that Black Sabbath, we sold our soul right. for rock and roll, um, um, straight out of Compton, mm-hmm. we had Pink Floyd, Momentary Lapse of Reason, mm-hmm. and some kind of rotation of hair metal, right. Guns and Roses, Skid well, Row. In the Motley crew. in the mid nineties, here in Nashville, you know, you would there was you know downtown. There was a lot of people that cruised down Broadway, you yeah. know, and that kind of that stuff. Second Avenue, yeah. But we used to all me and my friends used to always joke that if you lived in Nashville and you had a jacked up pickup truck and you wore a cowboy hat, you had three albums in your in your in your truck: Garth Brooks' Greatest Hits, yeah, Metallica's Black Album, unfortunately. And the Chronic by Dr. Dre. Yep. <laughs> yep. And those those were like those were the songs that you would hear. <laughs> well, it, you didn't even have to have a, a jacked up truck for that. But I know, but that was kind of the like, oh yeah, if you're you yeah. know if you're if you're buying into the redneck stereotype, you're still gonna you're, you're gonna yeah you're gonna you're gonna hear them going down the road and you're gonna hear nothing but a G thing coming out yeah. like really with your cowboy hat and your you know it's, all right your rebel flag in the back and well it's you like, go down to Silverados just oh, to know, hang out and it's, it's it's all oh, Dr. Know, Dre I know and they're which, in there, they're in there line dancing to Dr. I know, Dre which it's I'm like, like what okay. the crap but it was just yeah it's it's funny to to see all that stuff get co opted into mainstream over time you know and it's just it was back in the day when you could throw everything in the stew and stir it up and you could listen to whatever you wanted right. to it didn't matter anymore right you know it's just well, everybody loved if you love music you love music probably period. the other band that could fall into this category of like the last rock stars like yeah. legit rock stars is oasis because yeah, think they're, about they're nihilist enough. They're they, drinking, you know, and the band fight. They were they're more they along the lines of the kinks. Stage. Though. They, I mean, they, they they were they fought in interviews. They you know they got in fights with other bands. They, I mean, it was just one of those where it's like, you know, they were hard partying. I mean, it was just they, you didn't they, know if they were going to show up to gigs. You didn't know what was going to happen. But that's more you know? along the line of the kinks, though. Right? I mean, oh yeah, the, the brothers, the yeah, brothers no. fighting. They're kind of like the the British version. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. well the kinks were British. So I, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Right. Those guys are the British version of the bands we're talking right, about. Right. But that's the but that's the whole like yeah. they were probably the last you know non-American rock stars. You know, because let's yeah. be honest, there there really hasn't been anybody since. You know. that that has been that's been a dangerous like oh what's going to happen everybody's you know? gotten cleaned up yeah. everybody's gotten PC. Well, it's a business yeah. it's a business it, it, it moved in in somewhere in the 90s everything the music business moved into business more than music no, you, you mean the record companies right. moved it into business. right and oh, that's across the boards we gotta we gotta get the marketing machine on mm-hmm. this 
thank you MTV for showing us how to do this. And that's across the boards and everything. You know, we you do you, you would have a, a Tupac or you know something like that. But yeah. I mean, honestly, let's think about that. Since '97, since Biggie was killed, yeah. Who's been dangerous in, in hip hop? Exactly. I mean, you can argue early Jay Z or maybe Nas. I was going to go Nas. Yeah, you can you can argue that. Screw Jay Z. I've always been a Nas guy. But it's still but it's one of those things where it's like you go beyond that. It's like yeah, okay, fine. Fifty Cent got shot nine times. That's the only thing he ever hangs his hat his hat on. You know, it's like yeah, but the way he runs his mouth, he probably deserves. Well, I know, but it's just one of those things of that. But again, non none none of it is threatening. None of it is dangerous. It's no. you know it's. And that's what kill, and especially in rock music, and it is it's that whole thing where I went back. Well, we go back to this and we talk about Guns and Roses being the last great rock stars because you know it all came from that Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Led Zeppelin set the template of like, no, this is how we are. This is how we are on the road. Yeah. Everybody's like, well, that's how you got to act if you're going to be a rock star. Yeah. And so all the the rock and metal guys that came after that were trying to be. Here's the bar. We're trying to be Led Zeppelin. Okay. And now the Stones, of course, had had set the bar prior to them. You yeah. know, so it's like, okay, so they're. They're all trying to be Stones or, or Led Zeppelin. Well, you know what? You're not the Stones or Led Zeppelin, okay? But the thing is, is Guns N' Roses came along and said, no, we're Guns N' Roses, and they set a completely different bar. Yeah. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> and Pantera kind of looked at the rest of them and went, we will outdrink exactly, you Exactly, you know, and, and, it, and it's just a... Ugh, all you know, and, yeah. and 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 then it was everybody. Well, now that now we got this new bar, so now we have to we have to. Well, but you're you're nobody's uh, you even a, come close to the bar. You are a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah, is there that, anybody new? No, there's not. You know, that's uh, and that's sad that that we've lost that. You know, some people say, well, it's better. You know, they're not there acting like idiots and they're not being misogynist. They're, they're not, not being this and blah blah blah. It's like. Is it? <laughs> I get what you're saying, especially as a, as a middle-aged man now. I'm like, I, well, I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but when you take all the danger out of rock music, what do you have left? Sticks. <laughs> yeah, Coldplay. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. you know, yeah, it really is. It's like Journey. <laughs> You get corporate rock. It's what you get, you yeah. know, and it's, uh, yeah. so it's kind of one of those, eh, I guess we could probably put, if nobody else, Scott Weiland in that, you know, I mean, he was, he was, he was a rock star. Yeah. He wanted to be one from the beginning, you know. I but, don't know that he reached those bars, No, he didn't. Though. He didn't just, just, just the drugs more than anything, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, Guns N' Roses, man, they were so good, you know, and. It's it's nice it'll that they're be, back together and they're doing everything. To see if they if they're still good. Well, that's true. That is yeah, true. Are they still good? Or are we? Like, going can they to, still write? I know that's can the, they, you know with Izzy gone, can they write decent songs? Right. Are they going to have the same punch? Or have they mellowed out? Maybe they bring him back to work with them just in the studios. You never know. I mean that that no. wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. So I think I think Izzy is completely done with it. He oh, is, I, yeah. he has moved on and moved on hard. Yeah, and that and good for him. You know that's he got cleaned up and he got cleaned up. He's got his own thing. Why yeah. why would he come back? Oh, I, I, yeah, money. Eventually, money will, will draw just about anybody back out. It's going to have to be large because you know of money. when when Axel was out doing his his Guns and Roses, Izzy played several dates with them. You know he would he would come in you know for stuff and well he would come in and fill in. 
Yeah, but but it was still one of those things where it was like, because, yeah. you know, Izzy and Axel go way back, you know, all the way back to Indiana. You know, they were friends before they ever well, got to L.A., you know. and They were both in Hollywood Rose. Right. You know, that that's how Guns N' Roses got the Guns N' Roses. You had Hollywood Rose and L.A. Guns. Because and they, Stradlin was living with Tracy Guns. Right, and they, they brought L.A. Guns and, and Hollywood Rose together. Right. And that became Guns N' Roses, and then they kicked Tracy Guns out and said, we're going to keep the name. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Tracy Guns like, ah, that's okay, I'll get, I'll get Hollywood. Yeah, you know, I'll get LA, L.A. Guns, Guns back, back together. Yeah, Which, and, I was a big L.A. Yeah. Guns fan. L.A. Guns is was a little different than all the rest of that stuff. They were a little more grimy. Yeah, they were. It's a and uh but yeah, go listen to Guns N' Roses. Um it's 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 definitely a throwback to a different time that that we didn't know what was going to happen anymore. You know, there were there really it was kind of one of those things. It was a soundtrack for a generation. Guns N' Roses was the thing that killed hair metal. Yeah. I mean, that's yes, Nirvana, never mind, you know, hitting was the the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. But Guns N' Roses was the all right, enough with the the teased hair and mascara BS. It's time to it's teased time teased hair, spandex. Yeah. It's like no. We're we're jeans and leather and Well, except and, for um Axel who wore nothing but spandex shorts. Well, with, yeah, but you know, uh, trying to know. show off his cucumber. Well, good for him. But um yeah. uh, but it's still one of those things where it's like they, they definitely changed things in music. You know, it's like all of a sudden you went from pointy guitars to Les Pauls. Yeah. You know, I mean that literally it was overnight you saw that change. You and went from B C Rich back into Gibson. Exactly. And it, they they did so much and let's be honest. Slash is one of the greatest guitarists we've ever seen. Yeah. Still, I mean, Duff is one of the greatest bass players we've ever seen. And yeah. Axl Rose is one of the greatest front men we've ever seen. He may not be the greatest singer we've ever had, we've ever seen, but he's one of the greatest front men that yeah. we've ever seen. I mean, that's... And together, they write damn good music. I mean, those those guitar riffs and, and everything and just the, the ferocity to it. Yeah. You know, that... that, that you know, our, obviously our intro, we had Welcome to the Jungle playing, and but that, that scream that Axel does on the front of that yeah. just tells you, oh, something's getting ready to go down. Yep. <laughs> and then in the middle of it, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, you're going to die. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, you know where that came from, don't yeah. you? They were he was in Man, he was in Manhattan. Yeah, and uh, they were he was sleeping in or they got off they they got off a bus, bus and there was a guy on the street trying to scare the runaways. Trying to scare, and he said, "Hey, welcome to the jungle. You're gonna die." Yeah, and it's yeah, and it was and and they uh, yeah, and he remembered that line and and wrote it into a song later. So yep. So guys, thank you so much for listening for us ramble for the last hour and a half or so. Um, thank you for listening for a hundred episodes. I guess absolutely because guys. I guess we ought to talk about the hundred. Yeah, we're this is our this is our hundredth episode. Our hundred episode B, uh, you know, our 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 hundred episode specials where we where we uh, uh, we celebrate being here for two years and and you know coming back and <laughs> sometimes for good and sometimes for ill. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of fun so far, and we're not we're just getting started. And uh, and this is this has been a lot of fun on my end. I know Dave, oh, I've enjoyed. Uh, it. Yeah, and. Uh, it's given me an excuse to uh, go out and buy some equipment. Yeah, there's, there's some, that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping there's some new stuff coming. You know, I so. I just bought a new laptop and or new to me laptop anyway. Uh, and we're looking, some, we're, yeah, we're, we're looking at camera. Yeah, we got a camera. We're looking. We're looking at a bunch of stuff. We're getting ready to go hit a couple of conventions and kind of 
you know, try to, to, uh, uh, new discord server. We're going to, we're going to share the gospel of Gen X, uh, project Gen X. And uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> try to get some new, con- new converts. And, uh, yep. so, uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be around for a while. Yeah. Well, Talking about shutting down the Facebook page because yeah, Facebook page is really not Facebook doing anything. Is dead man, it, um, it's I don't even go there anymore. I think hardly. Instagram and Discord are going to be our two most definitely. If you uh, and go YouTube and YouTube, yeah, all of which, like I said, we we put up playlists for just about every episode. Some of them don't don't really warrant them, but especially stuff where we have like a big topic. Yeah, we, there are playlists, and it will be in the description if you go and look at the show notes on these episodes. There is a link to all of that stuff uh the youtube link will take you straight to the playlist for this from there you can go to our channel and see everything yep and we are hoping as we go as we move into our third year to start actually getting video that's outside of the, the podcast up there yep um we want to thank you know people who are listening to us over there uh miss so i know you're listening you know uh, out there and as well as on our discord and you know the guys in um uh, you know John from um, uh, up. from Gen X Grown Up, yep. as well as Stu Monk, as uh, Stu Baca and a few other people, and and we appreciate as well as you know we just have for you know Brian and 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 Barry who's been on the show and yep. you know a whole bunch of people that that have been with us pretty much. My wife Miss Nay, there you go, is on the, the show. Yeah, Corey who's been on the show a couple times, you know. Yep. And so I mean, it's just uh, we're we're growing, and we we have seen this year. A good amount of growth, especially compared over the last year and a half prior to and that. That's or all whatever. thanks to you guys, and it absolutely has been. It's been you guys, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, so, as we always say, if you like us, share to, us with your friends. Share us with your friends. If you don't like us, share us with your enemies. We'll take them. It's like, yep. <laughs> we'll take anybody. So uh, yeah, we're not really picky. It's, it, it's uh, <laughs> the year of warm bodies, y'all. <laughs> there you go. Any port and storm, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, thank you so much. I am Alan Smith. I'm the other guy, Big Dave. And just remember, welcome to the jungle. See ya. You're going to die. You're going to (laughs) die. You know where you are.